Catholic Foodie Show. This is Jeff Young. I'm Jeff Young, your host. And uh, we're here at the Catholic Foodie Show talking food and faith on Real Life Radio. Welcome. It is, uh, we're coming off a holiday weekend uh, yesterday, Memorial Day. Um, a very important holiday uh, to, to remember those who have served our country. At the same time, um, it, it's a wonderful opportunity. Springtime, I think, you know, the school is wrapping up. It's always a wonderful time to take a break, um, to relax, to enjoy time with family and friends. And I know that that's what we did this weekend. Uh, I mentioned last week that every year, you know, Memorial Day weekend, every year is the New Orleans Greek Festival. And uh, my, my family and I, we we uh, love that particular festival. We spend time there every year and it's just such a joy. And uh, it was it was really neat too. And I have to say this, that when you look at uh, what I write over at catholicfoodie.com, what I included even in the book that I wrote last year, um, uh, it, it, I'm amazed. I'm constantly amazed in watching my family, my children in particular, and how they grow and develop and change. And uh, if you're a parent, you, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I'm so used to these little kids <laughs> running around doing what they do and being who they are. And, and now these little kids are teenagers and it's just such a, a sometimes striking difference, you know, uh, what I see today before me and what I have in my memory of watching them grow up uh, for, for the last 13, 14, 15 years. And uh, it's, it's really, um, on the one hand, you, you see the, the, the personality that they have today was obviously there in seed form as they were, were uh, babies even, and as they, as they were growing into toddlers and and beyond, uh, but it's just striking to me to see how they grow and develop. And, and occasions like this past week where uh, my children helped me to uh, cook uh, for a deanery meeting in uh, on the North Shore of Lake Pontchartrain in New Orleans, uh, where we had 30 uh, priests and deacons that we, we cooked for, a Middle Eastern uh, spread of uh, grilled uh, kebabs and um, uh, hummus and a Greek salad and all that yummy deliciousness. Uh, I could not have done that uh, without my kids. I mean, they were they were there in the kitchen helping to cook and to, to prep everything. And they actually helped to serve and to clean up afterwards. And folks uh, who were actually putting that luncheon together, they had called us in, right, to, to actually cook for it. But you had folks who were, who were there on site putting everything together. They commented afterwards about how uh, remarkable the kids were, my kids were, you know, and, and that they work so well and so diligently and they did with a smile on their face and they didn't complain. And I'm thinking, wow, that's, that's awesome to hear. That's amazing. You know, cause sometimes at home you have the arguing and the fighting, the typical things, you know, that, that the kids uh, go through. But this past weekend at the Greek fest, my kids love to volunteer and to work for the Greek fest. They work in the grocery area where they have Kalamata olives. Uh, they have pita that they sell. They have, of, uh, homemade, handmade uh, cheeses like feta cheese and and some of the other Greek cheeses, olive oil, uh, herbs and spices, all of that. And the kids uh, like to go in there to volunteer the entire time that they're there. I mean, they take breaks every now and then and go get something to eat or go enjoy the music or dance. Uh, but for the, for the most part, they 
really get a joy out of being there and serving and, and working. And I cannot tell you how uh, impressed I was at watching this. And, and of course, talking to the folks who uh, are organizers of the event and, and hearing their take, you know, they come up to me going, wow, you know, your kids. And it's just such a wonderful thing to hear. So I'm a proud papa today coming off the Greek Fest weekend, um, having heard and you know, witnessed firsthand uh, the things that my kids were doing and then, and then to hear the, the positive reviews from uh, other adults. It's just a wonderful feeling. And it highlights for me too that the whole weekend really was about uh, family for us, you know, trying to spend time together, uh, spend a lot of time in that grocery area, of course, over the the, the, the duration of the weekend of the festival. Uh, but just to, to have that time to spend together is just a, a magical thing. And today, guess what? Today is a new day, it's a new week, and we're going to be talking about something that is not Greek fest and not Greek food. It's um, actually, it's, it's more Italian, I guess, in nature. We're talking pizza today. And I'm hoping that this is going to be uh, continued a little bit later in the week. A friend of mine, Andres Lagsden, uh, is the creator of something called the Baking Steel. I don't know if you've heard of the Baking Steel. It's at bakingsteel.com. It's kind of like a pizza stone, uh, but it's made out of steel, a quarter inch thick piece of steel. And uh, the the baking steel, really, I've I've had one now for, I guess, uh, about a year and a half. It has revolutionized my home pizza baking. And so I hope to have Andrews on with us uh, a little bit later in the week to talk about the baking steel and to talk about uh, making pizzas at home, because there is something about it. It is an art form. I think it is something that uh, we really do have to hold on to pizza is absolutely my favorite food. Um, when I was growing up as a kid, I think I mentioned this uh, before, I, I was the pickiest eater in the world, uh, but I love pizza. Just don't put anchovies on it. Don't put anything green on it. Don't put, uh, you know, <laughs> I was kind of picky there too, but I could have eaten pizza just about every day of the week. And uh, many times I would beg my parents to let me do just that. You know, let's have pizza today. Let's have pizza today. Let's have pizza today, please. And uh, I had my, of course, growing up, a few places that were were my absolute favorites. And, you know, something that carries over in my, my adulthood here from my childhood um, is interesting to note. And that is the fact that um, I've always liked places that had character. I've always liked um, restaurants that had a personality, restaurants that um, were kind of like those mom and pop places, little small shops, the holes and the wall, as they are sometimes referred to, have always been my favorites. And I can think back to this because I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know if it's just the, um, I, I don't know, maybe your fast food places are t- kind of too cookie cutter. Maybe they're, maybe it's the taste of the food. Maybe it's the quality. I, I don't know what it is exactly, but there's something about the holes in the wall, the hole in the wall places that uh, just really draws me. And I remember even as a kid, there were places like that. Um, Pastime Grill, Bar and Grill in, in Baton Rouge, uh, down by LSU. It's not really by LSU. It's kind of in between LSU and the downtown area. It's it's right actually almost underneath the Mississippi River Bridge. Uh, that place had, to me, as a child going there, a fantastic pizza. Uh, there was a place that my parents used to take me to. It was the same restaurant where they had their first date, believe it or not. Uh, it's no longer in existence. It was on Plank Road in Baton Rouge. It was called or is called uh, Europe's Pizza. And uh, the owner, the proprietor, the chef of Europe's was uh, from Sicily. And uh, 
his last name, at least in Baton Rouge, the way that they pronounced it was Lopadope. Paul Lopadope. I'm sure that is not the Italian pronunciation, but uh, I, I would go there as a child. I remember the white and red checkered uh, tablecloths and they were just so cool and they had a smell. You know, you walked in, this, this aroma would hit you when you walked in the door of, uh, of bread baking and, and, and cheese melting. And it was just so good. And it was a full restaurant. So you had all different types of dishes available, pastas and veal parmesan and all this, you know, chicken parmesan, whatever it may be. Uh, but they had pizzas and that's what I always had. And it was, it was phenomenal. I remember, I think I was probably in high school. I know I was driving at the time. So I know I was probably 15, 16 years old. Um, Europe's went out of business. It, it, Paul Lopadope, who was, who was at that time uh, kind of on in years, he wanted to retire and uh, wanted to return home to Sicily to live his last years there uh, back at home. And uh, so he announced in advance that he was going to be closing up the restaurant. And I remember uh, it was a big deal. Like, you know, the newspapers had write-ups about it. Uh, there were there were news stories on television about it and interviews with him. And and I remember that for, uh, for months in advance before they actually closed, officially closed, they were making pizzas in freezing them. And so folks, you know, people who were patrons of the restaurant who would go there on a regular basis could go and buy these uncooked pizzas that had been frozen and then wrapped and uh, bring them home. And they could kind of carry on that tradition at least a little while longer, or maybe we should say they could, um, uh, what's the, what's the term? Like, kind of like delay the inevitable. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little while longer, right? And enjoy Europe's pizza. Uh, another place that I really loved in Baton Rouge was called Wesley's. And this was like a sandwich shop, but it was also a, a pizza place right next to the Broadmoor Theater on Florida Boulevard. And we would go and my parents would take me to a movie. You know, back in the day when movies were probably only a couple of dollars to go see, not 10, um, we would go to Wesley's and get a pizza. And uh, it was the first time I recall as, as a child having pizza with shrimp on it. So it was a shrimp pizza, which today is really one of my favorite uh, types of pizza. I'm going to give you some recipes a little bit later in the show uh, for dough. First of all, how to make different types of crusts. Uh, I'm a big, huge fan of making pizza at home. It has been a, uh, maybe, a, um, I don't know, a, a, a quest for perfection, I guess you could say, or maybe a, a, a love affair in a sense of trying to, to make the perfect pizza at home. And so it has been a process for me that has started with pizza boxes at the grocery store. You know, back in the day when they had, you know, Chef Boyardee pizza kits or the Appian Way, that was one of my favorites when I first started to make pizzas at home. I was probably 10 or 11 years old. My mom would give me the, the Appian Way uh, pizza kit. And I, I thought I was doing, you know, I was professional pizza making right there at, uh, you know, 10 or 11 years old in the, in the kitchen. I love that. And, uh, but over time, thankfully, Thankfully, I didn't stay at the Appian Way level. <laughs> I progressed and uh, thank goodness, you know, it, it, looking back, I can't believe that I thought that stuff was so, so good, you know, but uh, anyway, uh, and, and it is so easy. It really is so easy to make your own dough, uh, to make your own sauce. And the cool thing about it with any kind of cooking really is that if you're the one doing the cooking, you can make it the way you like it. You like extra sauce? No problem. You just put extra sauce on there. You like extra cheese? 
no problem. You want to put some weird kind of ingredients on there like squash or something else? Hey, no problem. It's your kitchen, your pizza. You can make it the way you want it. And we're going to be taking a break in just a minute. You know, you are listening to the Catholic Foodie Show here on Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young, and we'll be back in just a few. here today with me. Uh, We're talking pizza today. I'm going to be giving you some pizza recipes, different kinds of dough, different kinds of sauce. Uh, We're talking pizza, making pizza at home. You know, I love uh, going out to different restaurants uh, for pizza. uh, Absolutely. And matter of fact, it's one of those kind of things where, you know, you become like a connoisseur or I don't know if that's the right word. It's almost like um, I almost feel compelled to try pizza at different places. When I'm traveling, I'm going to a restaurant I've never been to before. It's like, I've got to taste it. I've got to see how they do it, right? I got to see how they do it. I'm trying to, to learn as much as I can. And, and so I've, I've been known to, uh, I don't know, maybe kind of veer a little bit more toward those pizza places when I'm out on the road. And especially if it looks like it's just a mom and pop shop, you know, just a little hole in the wall. That's the kind of place I'd like to, uh, like to try. Now, when I was growing up, of course, you know, we did have some of the, uh, those, uh, the chain restaurants that opened up that I did like. Um, I remember when God, fathers like first came to Baton Rouge, you know, I was, that was like awesome. We had a place called Mr. Gaddy's. Uh, they still have a, a location, I believe out by LSU. Uh, that was also something that, that I loved. Uh, and, and each place had a unique taste, a unique feel, a unique way of approaching, uh, pizza. And, uh, there's certain things though, when you're talking about cooking at home, making pizza at home, there's certain things that, uh, are challenges. I mean, as an example, I mean, I, I would think if, if I had to list like the the number one problem, the number one complaint that folks uh, have told me at least um, when it comes to making pizza at home is this. How do you keep the crust from getting soggy? You know, if you think about it, it's like a, a pizza restaurant. They have ovens that can go up to seven, eight hundred, a thousand degrees. Uh, they can put a pizza in there and it's cooked in about two to three minutes as opposed to what my oven does. And most ovens, home ovens go to about 500. I have seen home ovens go up to 550. I'm sure there are some out there that go up a lot higher, but typically that's what you got. You got 500 degrees to work with. And so how do you make that work? You know, how do you make that work? When you put toppings on, first of all, you've got a dough that you're, you've stretched out, right? It's, it's an uncooked dough that is stretched out flat. And so the, the top of it is, and I know this is kind of simplistic. I, I don't need to point this out, but I, I, I'm going to point it out anyway. The bottom of that dough is raw and the top of that dough is raw. But on the top part, what do you do? You're going to put a sauce, which is wet. You're going to put cheese that melts. And if it's a fresh cheese, then you're going to have, as it it melts, there's also whey, W-H-E-Y, whey that is released, you know, liquid that is released from that cheese as it melts too. And if you like me today, I thank God my palate has developed over the years and I like all kinds of vegetables today. And so if you put peppers if you put, I love fresh tomatoes, you put fresh tomatoes on a pizza, what's going to happen? They water. 
And so you've got more liquid coming out now on the top of this raw dough. So how, how do you do this? There's got to be some ways to to work with this. And and over the years, that was really one of my challenges. You know, how do I make this? How do I make this home pizza thing work without killing it? You know, you you can always overcook a pizza, but that that's not any good either, because then this thing, this dough, that this crust that's supposed to be crunchy on the outside and and tender on the inside becomes what? It becomes a cracker, and so it's crunchy on the outside and crunchy on the inside. And that's, I don't, I don't appreciate that very much. So what, what are some things that, that you can do? You know, I came across years ago, uh, this is goodness gracious. Well, this is 2015 we're in right now. So this is probably 10 years ago or, or, or so. I mean, probably about 10 years ago, I came across a resource online, uh, called pizza therapy. <laughs> I said, this, this is my kind of website. Pizza therapy. I need that kind of therapy, right? Pizzatherapy.com. Albert Grande is the mastermind, the the pizza chef behind uh, pizzatherapy.com. And he's got, he has a a cookbook, I think that's available. Back in the day, it used to be a PDF file that that you could download as an ebook. I think, I think now, nowadays he has it available uh, for the Kindle uh, on amazon.com. I don't know if he has any other uh, platforms available, but he does have it's a it's a, uh, a little booklet on on pizza it's got recipes in there it's i mean for the dough uh his recipe for dough and also um uh sauces different sauces you could do and and suggestions for toppings and he tells some stories too and he also interviews uh several pizza chefs like professional pizza chefs and and for a while I, i'm not real sure i really haven't kept up unfortunately but uh for a while i know he had a, a a podcast going where he would interview uh different pizza chefs as well i've always loved everything that that albert has done uh when it comes to pizza because he is very very passionate if you go to uh pizza therapy Com, you will see what I'm talking about. And I think today, I think he actually lives in Hawaii. Uh, so that's really pretty cool too. I don't you know, you really think about pizza and Hawaii going together, but apparently they do. And for years, I used Albert's recipe for, uh, for pizza. Let's see if I can, I can pull it up here. While I'm talking to you so I can share that because because I want to give you that recipe first before I give you some of the workarounds that that I came up with uh, on how to um, tackle the problem of pizza that that come you know, homemade pizza that is where well, the crust is just too soggy it comes out too soggy so let me see if I can find this recipe I'm scrolling here here it is here it is. And this is a recipe, again, based on uh, what, what uh, Albert Grande has uh, in his book and on his website, pizzatherapy.com. And essentially, the dough will yield four th- large thin crust pizzas. And this is important to note because my wife has always loved a thin crust pizza. When I was growing up, when I was a kid, I really liked uh, a thicker crust. Um, I, I guess in my in my innocence, I thought that uh, you know the more the better, uh, the more bread the better. 
And uh, now I, I kind of have a, a better understanding of how all that works. And, and I, I do have a deeper appreciation of not the deep dish, but of the, uh, uh, the, the, the thin crust pizza, because that way I can enjoy the toppings and I don't get as full, you know, as full as fast. Um, so what do you do for this dough? This was the, the, my go-to dough for years and years. It's uh, one and a half cups of warm water, a quarter cup of extra virgin olive oil, four cups of all-purpose flour, one teaspoon of salt, a teaspoon of sugar or honey, and then three teaspoons of active dry yeast. And, uh, you know, you could use a rapid rise yeast too. That works just as well. And this is, um, again, just a basic dough. There are lots of different things that you could do to kind of tweak it or change it, or uh, you can add things to it. And, and I'll get more into that in, in, a, in a few minutes. But uh, I want to reiterate first that ingredients are important. So when I say a quarter cup of extra virgin olive oil, use good olive oil. It's going to make a difference, right? The taste of that olive oil is going to make a difference. And I like this recipe because it makes the dough very uh, workable, very pliable. You can use it. You can stretch it. You can, if you use a rolling pin, you could roll it out. Um, it, it holds up very well. Uh, anytime you use oil, and this is something that I've come to learn over time, anytime you use an oil with your uh, dough, it's going to make the dough more dense. And uh, we'll get more into that as I talk to you about uh, my, my, my latest and greatest favorite recipe, which I've been using for the last at least two years. Um, and and well, we'll get into that later because I have a little sound clip to play for you at that time. So this is the basic dough, right? One and a half cups of water, quarter cup of extra virgin olive oil, four cups of flour, salt, sugar, and yeast. And that's it. And basically what you're going to do is prepare the dough, the dough uh, however however you can. If you have a, a mixer with a dough hook, uh, which I do have now, I haven't always had that. I mean, for years and years and years, I was making dough by hand. Uh, I do have one of those, um, uh, what's it called? Kitchen, kitchen aid or whatever it is, uh, big dough uh, mixers, stand mixer. That's what it is, stand mixer with a, a dough hook. Uh, you can use that. Uh, you have a bread machine. I did use a bread machine too for years uh, where you could actually put all the ingredients in the bread machine and it would do the work for you. You don't want to have it on the, the, like a baking cycle. You want it on the dough only cycle. So once it actually mixes everything together, all it does is keep a constant temperature there, just warm enough for the dough to rise. And you can, you know, um, let that dough come. I think it's about a 90 minute cycle where it'll, the alarm will go off and your dough will be ready to uh, remove from the dough machine and, and use for your pizzas. Uh, for years and years, I made it by hand. I just started in a, with a, in a big mixing bowl, a glass bowl, and started out with the, all the dry ingredients in the, in the bowl and then started to add the, the wet ingredients. The, I would proof the yeast first. And how do you do that? You take that warm water, you set it on the, uh, into a, some sort of a container and you add your yeast to it. I would mix it up, stir it up to where it all comes together and then let it sit there for about five minutes. And you're going to start to see uh, some foaming that takes place. It's like a, a good head, like a like you have on a beer. When you pour a beer out, you have a good head on that uh, beer. The same thing would happen with the, the yeast as you proof it. And once it activates, and uh, then I would take that and pour it into the dry ingredients and literally just 
dig my hands right into it, mix it all up. And once it was into a ball that held together, I would remove it, put it on a, uh, 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 a floured surface and knead it for about 15 minutes with my hands. And that was always an interesting experience because it's very tactile. It's like you, you can feel the changes that take place in the dough as you knead it. And I have always, always loved that. That is just so cool. And because you think about it, you're adding yeast to this. It's like a living thing. It's like a living thing. So as I would pr- uh, start to mix the, the 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 dough together, I'd preheat my oven. I like my oven to be very hot. Preheat the oven and uh, and get to work on the dough. Now f- for the dough like this, if you're going to make a dough like this, once once you have uh, have it all mixed, you're going to want to let it rise for about an hour and a half to two hours. And then again, as I said in the beginning, that particular recipe works for uh, four thin sliced or thin uh, crust pizzas. You can take that out and uh, and just uh, roll them out with a roller and, uh, and, and, and then decorate them as you wish. We're going to get into some more particulars about how you can decorate those pizzas when we come back from the break you're listening to the catholic foodie show right here on real life radio we'll be back in just a minute Welcome back to the Catholic Foodie Show right here on Real Life Radio. I'm your host, Jeff Young. We're talking pizza today. And man, I'm making myself hungry. This is crazy. <laughs> you know, I get this common complaint, common complaint I, ha- I hear from folks who listen to the show. Um, they say, man, you make me hungry. I love what you're talking about, but you make me hungry. Well, I'm making myself hungry today. You know, it's it's about lunchtime and uh, I've got coffee right here. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm talking pizza and I'm getting hungry. We talked last uh, segment about uh, the standard recipe that I use for years and years. I want to do a couple of variations on that with you right now. Uh, and then we're going to talk some sauces, you know, different kinds of sauces that you can do. You know, uh, one of the things that, that I was always, uh, I guess, curious about or impressed about trying to do different types of, of toppings on pizzas is how sometimes, you know, your crust and your, your toppings can really complement each other. And that was one of the things I was trying to get uh, to actually kind of bring about when I worked on a, a particular type of pizza, I wanted to do a crust that had spinach in it. And this was new and different, you know, to actually make a spinach crust. It was a very different uh, experience, experiment really for me, uh, but it came out really well. And this is what I did. I took uh, a package of frozen thawed chopped spinach. You can get that in the grocery store. It usually comes in packages that are about 10 ounces. And uh, you want to thaw that out and you want to uh, drain it in a colander. And then you really want to take, you know, your hands or maybe even in paper towels, really just squeeze as, as much as you can to to remove all the moisture from that spinach. It's amazing how much moisture will come out of that. And you don't want that in the in the dough. And then you want a, half, a quarter cup of butter, half cup of milk, a large egg. So we're talking a very different crust here from what I gave you earlier, right? This one's got butter, milk, egg, two cups all-purpose flour, three teaspoons of baking powder, and then a half teaspoon of salt. So after you have drained the spinach, uh, you want to melt the butter in a small pan, stir in the spinach and cook it over low heat for about five minutes. Remove that from the heat, stir in the milk and the egg. Okay. So you've got a, a, we have a different dynamic going on here. In a large mixing bowl, combine one and three quarter cups of the flour with the baking powder and the salt. Mix well, and then add the spinach mixture. 
Reserve a quarter cup of the flour to make uh, a firmer dough only if needed. And you're going to find this out as you try to, to work with the dough, right? Um, if it's too wet, you may need to add a little bit more. If it's too sticky, too sticky, too wet, add a little bit more flour. Uh, so you want to reserve that quarter that quarter cup. Uh, you want to grease a, a, a 12-inch pizza pan or a 10 by 14-inch cookie sheet even. And then place the dough in the pan, cover with wax paper. And the, the wax paper is going to help you just to roll it out in an even layer, uh, pushing up around the edges to form a border, and then you remove the wax paper. Uh, you want to bake uh, the crust in a preheated oven 450 degrees for approximately 15 to 20 minutes. Then, then add the toppings and then bake until done. And that is a secret. When I tried this particular recipe, this is what actually gave me the idea of a workaround in my home kitchen, in my home with my home oven that only goes up to 500 degrees, a workaround that could yield a pizza without a soggy crust. And uh, this was my first attempt uh, doing it this way. And uh, to tell you the truth, I only like that spinach crust on certain occasions. You know why? Is because it's a little more dense than what I would get with just using water and olive oil. Uh, flour, salt, and yeast. And uh, so on certain occasions for certain pizzas, it works great, but it is a, bit, a, a little bit different. Uh, and then, I, you know, th that was one of the experiments I did with pizza crust over the years. And another one that I did that really came out well, and I, I, I like this one a lot. And I think I like it a lot because you, it's like peanut butter and chocolate, two great tastes that taste great together. This one brings together pizza and beer. I can't tell you how many times I've gone out to eat pizza with friends. And what is the normal thing to drink when you're eating pizza? It was beer because I don't know. I don't know if it's just like the, you know, beer a lot of times is referred to as liquid bread. And here we are eating pizza. So I don't know. Maybe that's the case. The two things kind of go together really, really well. Um, and especially during Lent, you know, <laughs> if you're fasting, I guess you can make a, a case for that, that you can drink beer and eat pizza because uh, as long as there's no meat on it, uh, it works. I don't know. But pizza and beer go together. And I thought to myself, if they go together so well on the table, how about in the kitchen? How about in the oven? Do they go well together there? So that's one of the things I experimented with. And you know what? It, it, it was really, really good. And it's when people search for pizza and land on the Catholic foodie, uh, catholicfoodie.com, uh, nine times out of 10, they're going there because of this particular recipe, how to make pizza dough with beer. And, uh, you know, the kind of beer that you use, it's up to you. You know, I like to use a uh, an IPA. An IPA India Pale Ale has a certain flavor, a certain kick to it, uh, a certain bitterness to it that I really appreciate. And so um, I, 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 this is what I used. And I have used a dark beer before, like a Guinness or um, some other kind of stout. Uh, that works well, too. It really is up to your tastes. But you need about a, a, a one and a half cups of, of beer and uh, room temperature. You want it to be room temperature. Don't go to the, the ice box and pull one out. You want a room temperature beer. So I used uh, one and a half cups of Abita Brewery. Uh, Abita's Giacomo IPA is what I used. And then a quarter cup of extra virgin olive oil, four cups of flour, two teaspoons of salt, two teaspoons of honey, three teaspoons of active dry yeast or rapid rise yeast works just as well. 
Uh, so what you want to do is prepare the dough again any way you can. If you have a, a stand mixer with a dough hook, you can use that. If you have a bread machine, you could use that. Uh, just follow the manufacturer's directions for the dough setting. Uh, or you can make it by hand, which is what I did for years and years. Um, and nowadays... Um, you know, time is often a short supply, unfortunately. Uh, so I, I like to use my stand mixer, but I love to, to, to work by hand as well. And uh, essentially what you want to do is take all your dry ingredients again, put it in whatever you're using, the stand mixer or in a big mixing bowl, whatever it may be. And uh, then you want to, to uh, proof your, your yeast. And you can do that this time, not with water, but with this lukewarm beer. And uh, add the beer, add the, the olive oil, and you're going to mix it. You can mix it by hand. You could use a stand mixer, whichever way you do it. Then you want to just set it aside, allow it to rise. And it's going to double in size. And it may take two hours to do that, an hour and a half, two hours to do that. That's fine. Then you can divide the dough, roll it out, and then top it and bake it. You know, with this one, again, it's going to yield, it's the same thing as four cups of flour we have with this particular recipe. So it's going to yield four large thin crust pizzas. Or if you want a thicker crust pizza, you can do just three large regular crust pizzas. But this one, very, very good. Matter of fact, if you go to catholicfoodie.com, you can not only see the recipe for this. Uh, you can also see some pictures of crusts that I have made with beer. And you can see a definite difference in the color of the crust. It's, there's a darker color and consistency of the crust itself. And um, and you can see the underside the, the, of, the, of the crust and how crisp it looks on the bottom. It really did make a fantastic uh, few pizzas. So I highly recommend highly recommend that pizza crust. And now I have to tell you about my, I guess, new favorite. I don't know if it's new, really new. It's, it's a couple of years old. I have been using a particular recipe for the last couple of years that is not my own. It's not of my own making, um, but I find it to be just uh, one that I love. It is absolutely fantastic. It's a great, it yields a dough that is very pliable, uh, you can really work with it. You can really stretch it. It stretches very well without without tearing. I mean, it will tear if you pull too far, but but it yields a really good crust. But not only that, here's the best part. The best part is it's crispy and it's light, crispy and light. And uh, there is a chef, a baker up in New York, Jim Leahy. Uh, he owns a couple. Of, he owns a bakery and he also owns a restaurant. The, the name of the restaurant is Co. And it is a, uh, a pizza restaurant up in New York. Uh, Jim Leahy, uh, Sullivan Street Bakery is is where he he started. You know, he actually went, he spent months traveling throughout Italy, learning the art of baking and then returned to New York and opened Sullivan Street Bakery. And it's just, uh, it's been a hit and uh, eventually opened up uh, the pizza place called Co. Uh, he has a, a pizza uh uh, cookbook out. It's called My Pizza. It was published in 2012. It's a beautiful little book. It's filled with uh, recipes and topping suggestions, lots of tips on making pizzas, you know, different ways of baking pizzas and, and mouth-watering photographs on the various pizzas that uh, he offers at Co. And uh, I, I love the book. And the, one of the recipes that I found in there is for what he calls a no-need uh, pizza dough. And that's no need as in K-N-E-A-D, because I definitely need this pizza dough, <laughs> but it's a no need pizza dough. So I can knead it with an N all I want, but uh, I don't have to knead it if you know what I mean. <laughs> and this is, uh, this is, um, 
this is the recipe. It's really, it's so simple. It's ridiculous. Uh, it is, and I'm going to give this to you. It's about, these are rough approximations because this is how he does it. He doesn't measure out the recipes, uh, specifically, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh Precisely, I should say, it's more of an art. And I know baking is a science, but when he makes this, and you can actually see on YouTube, there are videos of him making this uh, pizza dough, and it's just so easy to do. It's about three and three quarter cups all-purpose flour. Uh, plus, you're going to use more, obviously, for shaping the dough and for maybe you know putting flour down on your on your work surface. Uh, he uses a, about a quarter, only about a quarter teaspoon of active dry yeast. Now, I will confess and say that uh, I will tell you that a quarter teaspoon of active dry yeast to me just doesn't seem like enough. I know he's an expert and, and that's what he does. And, uh, but I'm, I, it makes me nervous. And so what do I do? I, I use a teaspoon because I'm more comfortable with that. Uh, you can play around with it and, and do whatever you like. Uh, but he does only a quarter teaspoon of active dry yeast. Um, he also uses two teaspoons. Um, he uses two teaspoons of fine sea salt. And he does use sea salt instead of your regular table salt or kosher salt. And again, it goes back to that whole thing that I've said and will say many, many times is that ingredients matter. And and so I also use either sea salt or kosher salt for this particular recipe. And then one and a half cups of water. I like to use warm water, not too warm. No, you don't want it too hot because if you use really hot water, it'll kill your yeast. Uh, so what, do you, what does he do? In a medium bowl, uh, you thoroughly take the flour, the yeast, the salt, you blend them together. You just with your hand or with a fork. Sometimes I like to just use a fork. So the, 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 the flour, the yeast, the salt all go in together. So there's no proofing of the yeast like we did with the other recipes, right? This is, you don't have to activate it. This just goes right there into the dry flour and with the salt. And notice there's no sugar here either. Uh, no honey, nothing like that. And so you add the water and then I like to use either like a, a regular spoon, a, a fork rather, or even my hands, you just mix that dough thoroughly up. You're, we're not kneading it. We're just mixing it until it's all mixed together. It should be sticky, really sticky. And once it is sticky, uh, I take it, I put a, a, some sort of plastic wrap over it, maybe a kitchen towel over that, stick it in a draft free place and let it sit there for about, Oh, I don't know, 18 to 24 hours. <laughs> That's right. It's uh, 18 to 24 hours. It sits there. So you have to plan this one in advance. And uh, I'll tell you more about this particular recipe after we come back from the break. We're taking a break here in just a second. You're listening to The Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. And we'll be back in just a few minutes. Foodie Show. This is Jeff Young, your host, and we're talking pizza today. That's right. It's pizza. Pizza's on my mind. I can't help it. You know, I love pizza. I always have. And we're talking pizza. Before the break, I was telling you about Jim Leahy's No Need Crust. And that is K-N-E-A-D, because I certainly need this in E-E-D, you know. Uh, but no need. All you do, I mentioned, you take all the dry ingredients, the flour, the, the yeast, the salt. You put it into a big mixing bowl. And uh, then you add your water, one and a half cups of water. You mix that together with your hands or maybe with a fork. 
It needs to be a little on the wet side or sticky side. Um, and then once you just mix it together without kneading it, uh, you, you cover it with plastic wrap or a, a heavy kitchen towel, something like that. Stick it into a corner, a draft-free place, and just let it rise for 18 to 24 hours. And I say 18 to 24 because typically what you want it to do, this is a, 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 a long-rising um, uh, recipe. And what, you, what happens during the course of this is that the, the gluten strands uh, are really develop and they become very long. And that's because they're given so much time to, to do this. I have cut this short. I have done it in as little as 12 hours. Like I'd make it the early in the morning and we would cook that night. That, that's certainly that's certainly possible. I've also made this this recipe uh, the day before and then waited almost an entire 24 hours before actually making the pizzas. And uh, this is one of those recipes where, you know, once once it has risen, what you want to do is you take the, the dough, you, you, you uh, want to put it onto a floured surface and you want to divide it. And I like to divide it into four equal parts and then you want to shape them and you shape them into like a little round uh, for each portion well, if you were going to, if you don't want to cook it right away, you don't have to use the dough right away. What you could do is just roll each of those four into a ball and then take the ball and, and individually wrap it in plastic wrap and then refrigerate it for up to three days. Uh, that refrigeration is going to slow down that fermentation process. And so you're going to, it'll just kind of hold it in a, in a holding pattern, so to speak, in the fridge. And then once you're ready to use it, just take it out. You can put it on the counter, uh, uncovered, uh, take it out of the, the wrap because it, the, once it warms up, that yeast will get busy again and it'll start to, to ferment some more. So what you want to do is unwrap the, from the plastic put it on the counter and then cover it with a damp cloth that helps to keep out the uh, it helps to keep out the air and it helps to keep the the dough from drying out uh, in the air and you want to just let that come to room temperature and uh, for about two to three hours and what you'll notice is that it will come back to room temperature and it'll start to to rise again so uh, if you are going to use it right away then what I normally do is work with each round at a time so after I have them divided I do set them aside so I've got three Three uh, set aside that are covered with a damp towel, and then the one that I'm working with it's really it's really neat to to feel how this dough works. It's very different than the the one that I talked to you about earlier with the olive oil. This one there's a lot of flexibility because the gluten strands are so long, uh, and I start at the edges. You know, I'm, I'm at, well actually it's around, so I, I mash it down with my hands in the middle. I want to create kind of like a disc and I do that by mashing it down in the middle. What you notice with this, and it's just, to me, it's like, it's just like play. I mean, I, I get in the kitchen, I just play. I, I would make pizzas for free just for fun if I had the opportunity and I, and I had the, the, you know, the resources available to allow me to do that. I'd make them all day just for fun. And I'd invite you over too. You can come over and eat pizza. How about that? But what I would do is, is mash it down in the middle and you're going to feel the uh, the the gases right the the, the pockets of, of gases inside this dough and so I'm trying to be I try to be very gentle I don't want to I really don't want to to flatten it and I, and for this particular recipe I don't recommend using a um, a rolling pin you know for the other dough recipes I do I use a rolling pin for this one though I just use my hands why because once I get that thing into the oven. I'm going to get some oven spring on it, which is when you get the, those, as my youngest child, my 13 year old, when she was a 
little bitty kid would call bush ups, right? These little bumps, these bubbles where the dough pops up, um, but you still have cheese and sauce and all that kind of stuff on top. I love that. That is just so cool. That's where you're going to get it because that air is going to expand once it hits the heat. So what do you do? Uh, with my hands, I will, first of all, mash it down in the middle. I have a disc and then I start at the edges and just very gently start to stretch it out just a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time, all the way around the edge. What I'm trying to do is just get the disc to be a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And then finally, when it's big enough for me to, to kind of flip it on top of my knuckles, I can use my knuckles with both hands to kind of work the dough slowly, just stretching it from the edge, from the edge, from the outside, not, not the inside, from the outside. And because what that does is it naturally is going to pull from the inside and you're going to see how the, the, the circle just keeps getting bigger. And, you know, you want to be careful. It, it can happen. You, you can tear it. It can rip. And in which case I just, you know, try to, that, that's enough stretching. I try to patch it back up and, and we're going to work with it as it is at that point. But you, you stretch it as much as, you know, as big as you think you, you need it. And actually even a little bit bigger because once you set it down on, let's say, a pizza peel, whatever surface you're working on, uh, it's going to shrink back up. Once, once you stop pulling on it, it's going to shrink back up just a little bit. Uh, so you make it a little bit bigger than you need it. And uh, what I normally do is is I work with a pizza peel. So I have uh, cornmeal or or flour, even something that is on the, the pizza peel that uh, will allow that that dough to, um, uh, to move, you know, once I go to launch it onto a pizza stone, or in my case today, a baking steel is what I use. And we're going to talk more about that later this week. Um, so I use a pizza peel and that's where I decorate the, uh, the, the pizza. And, and, and so now we have a dough, we have dough. What are we going to do with it? Uh, with a, with a pizza stone or a pizza peel, if my stone is thick enough, uh, your regular stone may not be thick enough for this because if you put something cold on a hot stone, what's going to happen? It's going to break. The only way to get around that with a stone is to have a thick stone. So if you have a thick stone, you can pre uh, preheat that in the oven. And I always put my pizza, my oven on as high as it'll go, 500 degrees, bake, 500 degrees. Why? Because as soon as I get that pizza in there, if it's a stone, it's going to retain that heat, it's going to cook from the bottom. And what I do is I hit it from bake to broil. So I hit it with a high heat from the broiler on top. So it's cooking the top and the bottom at the same time. That's kind of the trick. That's the trick. And so how do we do this? We're going to decorate it with a sauce. I love red sauce. One of the perpetual um, questions when it comes to sauce is cooked or uncooked. And I personally like using the freshest, the, the best, the highest quality San Marzano uh, tomatoes that I can get, plum tomatoes, aroma tomatoes that I can get in a can. And uh, the San Marzano just has, you know, it, it, it may be uh, name dropping or whatever, but the truth is the quality of the San Marzano tomatoes is much higher higher than what you could get with anywhere else. And so I like that. I like the taste, I like the flavor. I use those and I crush them by hand. I get a big jar, a big can of that. And I like to crush them by hand. I add just a little bit of garlic, a little bit of salt, a little bit of olive oil. I like to add red pepper flakes to mine. Again, there's no real recipe for this. It's just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. However, I like it to taste. Sometimes I like to add a little black pepper to it. I, I add a little oregano uh, to it. And so I, I don't like personally to cook my sauce. And here's why. Once it's on that pizza and it's in the oven, it's going to be cooking right there. 
So I don't want to cook it down. And uh, I love sauce. Matter of fact, if I'm out at a restaurant, I'm asking for extra sauce on my pizza because I love sauce. So that's that's one way of doing it. Now, in the past, have I cooked my sauces? Absolutely. And there are certain things you could do, certain tricks you could use uh, to cook uh, saw, uh, your sauce and to cook it, um, to prepare it in a way that it's not going to be a, a chunky sauce. As an example, instead of chopping onions and putting it in your sauce, you can just take an onion and cut it in half and let it cook. You know, as it simmers, the flavor from the onion is going to get into the sauce without big chunks of onion getting into the sauce. One of the big, uh, um, I guess, benefits of cooking your sauce first is it does take away the possibility of having too much liquid on the pizza crust when you're cooking it. So you don't, you don't, you will do that. That's a benefit. But personally, I just like it uncooked. Um, so the cooked versus uncooked question, that is, I guess, the, uh, one of the perennial questions here when it comes to, uh, to making pizzas. Now, you know, we're going to probably, we're, we're running out of time. We only have about a minute left in the show. Uh, so I, what I want to do is a little bit later in the week, hopefully Andres can join me and we can talk to you about the baking steel. I really want to get him to tell you about the baking steel and I want to tell you why and how it has revolutionized my pizza baking at home. And um, I'll tell you some of the other tricks I used to do too, like par baking or pre-baking my crust uh, to try to prevent that soggy crust syndrome. And uh, But this is all the time we have for today, folks. So I thank you so much for joining me here. Uh, this is the Catholic Foodie Show on Real Life Radio. If you have questions, comments, you can always email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And uh, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Bye-bye.